0: Do not underestimate the power of praying together. Being a parent and praying with my children at nighttime
1: becomes an anchor in itself. Even if I'm not necessarily spending a lot of time on my own in personal prayer or something like that, I still have that time, and that time counts. That I'm not just doing this for show for them, that this is actually praying with them. I think it's probably significant for them to see both of us praying Right. It's not just Sarah, or it's not just me.
2: Every family, you know, is a small church.
3: This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. Today's episode is just a gentle dipping of our toes into how people pray as a family. There are as many ways to do this as there are families, y'all. The important thing is just to do it. All of the people on this episode have been on other episodes because this is a topic that just came up while we were talking about other things. In the
4: 21st century, there are so many forces competing for our children's attention and for their time and their energy and their brain space. We need to be forming our children and guiding them to navigate. They don't have the maturity or the experience. You know, they're not formed enough yet to be able to navigate those things and to find which ones are going to point them to God and bring them to their goal, their mission, their their calling in life, and which ones are going to distract them. This is Lindsay Schlegel. My name is Lindsay Schlegel. I am a daughter of God, a wife, a mother, a writer, an editor, and the author of Don't Forget to Say Thank You and other parenting lessons that brought me closer to God.
3: One aspect of learning to be a domestic church, to be what you are, as St. John Paul II used to say, is to start with your own prayer life. I realized that
4: I needed to hear the things I was saying to my children as if God were saying them to me. So I needed to be patient. I needed to stop whining. I even needed to go to bed on time um, and not stay up too late. I needed all those things. The same things that I wanted for my children, I realized that God wanted for me.
3: For a lot of parents, This means realizing that God is totally engaged with your family. I think I
4: was taking too much of the parenting load on myself and kind of forgetting that God was participating with me in this, that He obviously participated in the creation of our children, but He's also participating all the way through. And my motherhood is not only about my children's sanctification, but it's about mine too. This is my vocation. This is the path that God has put my husband and me on to be parents and and for the good of our children god willing for the good of our children but also for our own good he's not done with us yet just because we're adults doesn't mean we are not any longer children of god
3: a lot of what this podcast will be about is how to make god the focus of a family's life the more that we are focused
4: on drawing close to god the more that we have christ as the center of our lives the more all of those other things fall into place and we can be that example that god's calling us to be and we can guide our children with charity and humility, right back to him. Because our children are gods and they're on loan to us. So they are gifts and we do the best we can with them, but we have to not cling too tightly because it really doesn't serve anyone.
3: But what does that look like? Like actually, this is Dan Miola.
0: Hi, my name is Dan Miola. I'm an adult child of divorce. I also have a PhD in theology from the John Paul II Institute for studies of marriage and family. While studying at the Institute, I had the privilege of helping faculty create Recovering Origins, which is a healing ministry for adult children of divorce, and then I formed a traveling retreat team to spread it across the nation.
3: Dan and his wife Bethany joined a group called Teens of Our Lady, and part of it is committing to praying with your spouse on a regular basis.
0: We got the Teens of Our Lady, year two of our marriage, and all of us were supposedly good Catholics. And none of us were praying with just our spouse. Like we did some family prayer, but we weren't doing that deep connecting in prayer as spouses. And we we're like, "You too," because you feel so guilty. Because you know, as good Catholics, deep down, you're supposed to like pray together, but like you don't, and it's not taught. And I didn't get it from my parents, of course. And even well-meaning parents, they might teach a very individualistic sense of prayer, which is important. It's important to have that prayer life. But praying as a couple is like, Psh, what?
3: It was something of a relief to Dan that he and Bethany were not alone in finding praying together a challenge.
0: Petty things can come up about temperaments and like, I like to pray this way, you like to pray that way. Well, what I have to say about that is compromise. One day you do the way she likes it and one day that's what we do, you know? Just, you get over it. And then I found that different ways of praying, if you do it enough, you learn to love it. You just gotta give it time.
3: And it makes a real difference.
0: Do not underestimate the power of praying together it's amazing how many of our fights can be resolved by just forcing ourselves to pray we have a regular ritual praying 15 minutes a day it's not much but just the two of us this is separate from time we pray with Zelly, who's our daughter and our family and this is separate from our individual prayer when you have to look at the lord and say i'm sorry or praise the lord for things if you're angry and you do that it, it just it sort of melts you it gets you outside of yourself that there's a greater good that you both love and and again it's not natural it takes time and work but it's it's worth it and that gave me a lot of peace
3: that doesn't mean it's always easy
0: still even to this day it's a struggle when you sit on the couch am i gonna say a prayer or watch netflix i can't say that i have been 100 faithful Days you run to it joyfully, and it's a comfort. But then the other days, like you know, it's so easy to put it off. Yeah. So just just being real.
5: Yeah. If we're really honest with ourselves, it's really hard to want to pray. You know, because I don't have much control over what's going to happen, and especially for guys, I think guys tend to think in a very kind of efficient, concrete kind of way. And when I go to prayer, if I don't really have control over that situation, and I don't know that like the energy that I put into it, what's going to come out of that? very difficult to want to actually enter into that it's very difficult to want to pray when i'm not sure if god's even hearing me or if he's really going to do anything about this so it feels like a waste of time and it feels like i'm out of control it feels like i'm incompetent that i'm kind of a failure and there's not, not many guys that want to sit in that reality so i think for men in particular i can speak to that that when we're honest with ourselves down deep prayer is very difficult no matter how much we pride ourselves in our spiritual lives prayer is very difficult and I think for most of us, we would much rather spend time working or doing things that aren't pleasant because at least we know, you know, what we're putting in and what we're going to get out of it. So I think for everybody, uh, the truth of the matter is we need help that if we're actually going to grow at all in our spiritual lives, we need help with what is that supposed to look like. And I need accountability. I need to be able to hash it out with other other men who are married.
3: This is David Dawson.
5: I'm David Dawson. Kate okay, Dawson. We've been married for 10 years. We've got six kids. And we are also the national coordinators of Domestic Church here in the U.S.
3: David and his wife, Kate, found that help and accountability through a movement called the Domestic Church.
5: We now are up to uh, almost 300 couples in four different states, and we're growing very quickly uh, all over the country.
3: So if you didn't know that there are like tons of different movements in the Catholic Church, well, you do now. And I just told you two of them that are specific for married couples, Teams of Our Lady, and Domestic Church. So as a starting point, David shares about how the movement, with its monthly gatherings, helps him ask the basic questions.
5: Did I sit down and pray today? Did I pray with my wife? If not, why not? I got to tell you, that's a question that I never asked until I was sitting in front of people and we're all asking it together. Why don't I want to do this? Oh, it's because I don't really think he's listening. Why don't I think he's listening? Oh, it's because I haven't really tried this very often. Why don't I want to pray with scriptures? Because when I look at scripture, I have no idea what it's talking about. Let's deal with that, you know. So I've got not only the opportunity to kind of hash these very real basic questions out, but it's long term. So it's not, I'm looking at this, I see that I'm a failure, and I just don't look at it again because I don't want to. I'm looking at it every month. And these circles have the potential to be lifelong. So I'm looking at this every month. I'm looking at it with my spouse and we're looking at it with other couples, and we're going to be doing this for a while. So there's a lot of hope that real growth is possible, and that these walls and these kind of failures that I've been dealing with for a while, I'm going to keep working on it, and we're going to get some help. We're going to get some information from people who know what they're talking about.
3: David and Kate were both what you'd consider rock star Catholics before marriage. So it's not like they didn't know how to pray at all.
5: Even if we had all these practices and stuff that we were bringing in, It didn't help us to get on the same page. Now, did it help us in terms of our, yes, okay, obviously. God was was with us individually and these kind of things. But ultimately, what we were missing out on was just the basic basics. with just sitting and praying together. If you ask couples, do you pray together? Most of us are like, yeah, of course, you know. Or if we don't, then we're honest with us and we say, no, we don't. But the truth of the matter is very few couples actually just sit and pray together on a regular basis. And the reason for that is because it's extremely difficult.
6: Honestly, I really struggled with the difference in our individual prayer lives because David, in his way of praying, the position that he takes when he prays, he's able to be very still and he's very
3: focused on the crucifix, the Eucharist, whatever. And I am just, I'm like
6: a, a gecko. I mean, I'm just all over the place. I'm like prostrate and I'm sitting and I'm kneeling and I'm standing and I'm dancing and I'm writing and so when we would come back together, to say, hey, how was that prayer experience? Or, you know, we're at mass, hey, how was mass? The ability to communicate to the other is just
3: so difficult. I wanted to include David and Kate here so that if you're listening and you and your spouse never pray together, you know that you're not alone and it's never too late to start.
5: There's a way in which Kate communicates love and God's presence and his identity to me and reveals things to me that I can't get on my own because I'm a very person and God wants to reveal himself to her. Without couple prayer, that individual prayer is more difficult. It's a beautiful both and, that we have this kind of isolation before God, but at the same time we have this intense unity before Him at the same time, that it's a a sacrament with a capital S. So it's this beautiful both and that depend upon one another and that feed one another.
3: Now let's turn to teaching your kids to pray. How do you do it?
1: That's something that is on my mind a lot. In our family, Sarah kind of takes primary brunt of that because she's with them all the time. That's still something that I'm trying to find my place in. How do I teach them on all sorts of different fronts? How do I teach them about God? How do I teach them about prayer? For me, I know a lot of that comes down to also that fundamental question of what's my own relationship with God and what's my prayer life like? It's an essential thing to try to get that in order. Uh, I know it's not where it should be right now.
3: This is Andy and Sarah Sefranik. I'm
7: Sarah Sefranik. I've been married how many years? Seven years. I have three children. I have a six-year-old girl and a four-year-old girl and an 18-month-old boy.
1: My name's Andy Safranek. I've been married to Sarah seven years as well.
3: (laughs) Their three children are young, so sitting still for a family rosary
7: seems pretty unattainable. We grew up praying the rosary as a family at night, which is something that I still wish I could incorporate better with my children. I'm still learning how to pray as a parent because at home there are the conflicting needs of me needing to pray and me needing to teach them how to pray, and those two things are hard to do together. And if you're doing it in public, like at Mass, you're adding the element of your need to make your children not a distraction to everyone around them. And then you have three things that are now not cooperating with each other. Teaching them to pray, praying yourself, and not disrupting things. So our night prayers, I find that sometimes trying to pray the rosary, i become more frustrated because I'm wanting to pray it instead of helping them to pray it. One gesture the Sopranics have adopted
3: is a simple physical sign of belonging to Christ, tracing the cross
7: on their kids' foreheads.
1: Nap time, bedtime, right. and just leaving
7: it, generally. <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. It's in Scripture. The father's blessing, or like the parent's blessing. Yes, the priest can give a blessing. But there's blessing of a parent that you give to your child, and so that was something that my mother also would do for me, which was just to trace the sign of a cross on your child's forehead. And it was usually at a parting, either at bedtime or if she was leaving. When I visited the Sopranics last summer,
3: at naptime, the kids all ran from parent to parent, proudly presenting their foreheads. It was cute. But it was also a tangible thing that they will probably remember. And another tangible thing is, of course, the
7: Eucharist. The Safranic's oldest child is preparing for her first communion. Right now, anyway, Miriam is focused on the fact that like, we go to church every Sunday, mom and dad get to do this thing, but she doesn't. And so for her, it's like very exciting that, that she's going to do it too.
1: The kids come up to communion with us. That has become the routine rather than uh, wait in the pew. having them wait in the pew. And we didn't make a conscious decision on that other than that was kind of what brought the most peace, <laughs> <laughs> I think. So she's been used to coming up with us, and as she gets older, then teaching her to cross her hands over her chest as someone who isn't receiving, and she likes coming along with us. I think it's helping her anticipate what she is going to be able to do eventually, Um, although the significance of what it actually is, that's something that she still has
3: a lot to learn. Like most families, I think, bedtime is also prayer
7: time. So every night we have prayers, which we had to start separating the girls for their prayers because they have different praying styles. (laughs) So one of us will usually pray with one of them here, and one of them will pray with the other one upstairs. She has a little candle she made. She made a prayer house. She has a lot of little rituals that I don't fully understand. (laughs) The Safranics
3: separate their children for prayer time because they are at different places,
7: Willa's style is that she has trouble remembering them, but she really doesn't want you to keep praying without her. So if she forgets, you have to stop and go over it slowly or tell her what to say, and then she'll say it after you.
1: I've seen it help Willa, because now she knows the prayers.
7: She doesn't feel like she's being left behind by Miriam, who wants to run the show.
1: Right. She used to get very upset if she wasn't getting all the words right and everything, and now she's at least comfortable enough that even if she doesn't get every word, she'll still say them with you. I think they enjoy having that one-on-one attention also. So, that's just something that's worked for us. and It'll probably change. I mean, it already has changed so many times <laughs> since they were born.
3: And kids generally respond well to intercessory prayer, praying for the people that they know and love.
1: One Additional thing that we would do is we would pray for people, and it became a memorized list. So we just rattle it off like you know a litany of something that we had memorized. But I really liked that, and that is something that we incorporated into our own bedtime routine. We do it a little bit more freeform. We used to do it longer, and it was kind of approaching that long memorized list. We had
7: to cut them off. But we had to cut them off. (laughs) And for Kiara's brothers. Right.
1: <laughs> so we started for a while, just saying, okay, just say three things, three people, three things you'd like to pray for. And now it's a, a little bit longer than that, but it's still within a manageable, within a manageable range. And and I like that. Often it's our our family members, but then they'll also incorporate. Oh, we got together with some friends today, and we want to pray for them now. Or some family members came to visit, and we want to pray for them also. So. Those sorts of petitions and that intercessory prayer, that's something that I'm glad that they have. That was something that I guess I valued from when I was growing up, too.
3: So that can be an easy way to start a family prayer tradition. Simply asking, who should we pray for today?
6: My name is Jacinta Sponskowski. I'm married to Steve. We've been married for 17 years, and we have seven children.
8: My name is Steve Sponskowski and that we have 17 wonderful children. And 17? Seven. Um, what I say? 17? <laughs> hey, they're awesome. Yes, I do realize how many children we have. I'm sorry.
3: Steve and Jacinta's children know that without prayer, they might not exist. After going through chemotherapy in college, Jacinta was told that she probably wouldn't be able to have children.
6: We began a novena to the Sacred Heart that we'd be able to have children. And instead of doing it for nine days, we just continued it for months.
3: Now, God doesn't always answer that kind of prayer, as he did in this case. If you listened to the infertility episode, you know that. But for whatever reason of his own, God wanted to show off a bit for the Splunkowskis.
6: We discovered that we were expecting, and when it came time for the ultrasound, The technician was doing the ultrasound and said something like, has anyone ever told you anything about or mentioned twins? Because that's what I'm seeing right here. So, you know, immediately I thought, wow, that's the Lord coming through loud and clear, answering our prayers in abundance, making his hand very evident, like the due date of our children
8: was the feast of the Sacred Heart of
6: Jesus.
3: This has become a family story, and the novena is a family prayer.
8: We still today, as a family, pray that novena every Sunday morning on the way to Mass, that His will will be done and that we'll be open to His will continually as a family.
3: Steve and Jacinta make prayer part of their relationship.
8: Jacinta and I go on an annual retreat, a couple's retreat, just the two of us. And most Mondays we go out for lunch, just the mm. two of us, and uh, just have a chat and talk about the uh, things that we need to and get that little time away from the kids, continue that relationship, which is the basis of, of course, our family. So.
3: And they have a set routine for prayer, which makes it easier to stick with.
8: Monday through Friday, we do the Lexio Divina with the morning prayer. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we do the family rosary. And then in the evenings before we go to bed, most nights, unless I keep everybody up too late with a movie or something. (laughs) But more often than not, we do the uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet as a family.
3: When the kids were younger, they'd pray with them and then send them off to clean their rooms. But gradually, the kids joined the longer prayer time.
8: We'd read the readings for the Mass of the day, and then we'd send the kids to their rooms to clean their rooms. And then Jacinta and I would have a time of lectio and a a time of reflection and sharing. Um, And then they would come back, and we would close with the glory be together. As your children start getting near those teenage years, and our oldest were starting, I think, at 12 and 13, and we're starting to have little struggles. And I, in prayer, kind of asking the Lord, gosh, I don't know what to do here. I'm really concerned about, you know, when they get to the teenagers, they won't listen anymore it really just came clear back as we just sent tonight prayed prayed about it and talked about it that he was just telling us you don't have to worry about it just give them me just give them me and you know how to give them me teach them to talk to me teach them to visit with me no matter what the concern is no matter what, what the trouble is teach them that whenever they have an issue the person they need to come ask advice of is jesus and teach them to have that relationship with me. And so at that point, we decided, you know what? We need to involve them in the Lectio Divina. We need to teach them that Jesus cares about every little aspect of their lives and that they can talk to him about everything and to show them how to do that.
3: Lectio Divina is a scripture-based prayer. So you read a piece of scripture and meditate on it, and there's all sorts of different ways of doing it. So... The Splonkowski's also do something I've never heard of before. Family spiritual direction.
8: And so once a month, our whole family goes to one priest, separately, of course. Each of the children takes their Lexio journals with them, and they visit with the priest, who happens to be the priest who also prepared us for marriage and is our spiritual director. For us, it's been a kind of an evolution of Jesus coming to us and then us handing it on to our children.
3: The goal of all this...
8: So that no matter what, when they leave home and they have to make a big decision and they stop and go, oh, what should I do here? The first thing they'll say is, Lord, what would you like me to do here? And that's what we want them to, to do. And so that's for us has been really the hope.
3: And now, just a little encouragement from a bishop.
2: My name is Bishop Milan Lach from Eparchy of Parma of the Ruthenians of Byzantine Catholic Eparchy of Parma. My city is in Parma, in Cleveland.
3: We talked once before on the podcast about the different rites in the Catholic Church. But here's a quick refresher.
2: We have in Catholic Church, uh, we have Roman Catholic Church. But also we have others, 23 Eastern Catholic Churches in the whole world. Many of them are present also in the United States.
3: Bishop Locke shares his experience of prayer as a child.
2: To share maybe my experience during communism from Eastern Europe. My daddy was, you know, a simple guy, as a simple man, hard worker, but he lead us from smalls, boys, we are four boys, to prayer that every evening, you know, on knees, you know, before to go to bed. And I think that this is, you know, the solution in our families, that we turn off the TV, computers, tablets, and find 10 minutes Every evening, together, daddy, mom, and kids, in common prayer.
3: He firmly believes that prayer is the only true response and answer to our struggles in the world. Our children need to see us praying.
2: Prayer can save us. Prayer to God, prayer from heart, is it's enough to know to speaking about the religion, speaking about God, We need to have experience this prayer of God. Daddy to pray, the mom to pray, catechesis for them without words, the witness.
3: Bishop Locke also encourages families to make the effort to get to Mass every week.
2: I know that the people are tired from six days of work, five days of work, and they won't have to have, you know, the, the free day, day off on Sunday. But no, get up, take your kids and go to church together.
3: And yes, sometimes your kids might cry or make noise.
2: Even if he's crying, come on. It's an expression of the love and life if kids are crying in church.
3: Finally, one last exhortation on family prayer.
2: To pray together. To pray constantly. Okay, with kids, you know, maybe five, ten minutes, no more. But together.
3: So there you go. Just a couple of examples to hopefully encourage you to just try some kind of prayer together as a family. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything except for the theme music, which is composed and produced by Michael Taylor. And then the new music is from First Come.